right now, Jamie, this one is yours. All right. Well, hello. Welcome to Unprofessional, that show where we talk to super fascinating people about anything but work. I'm Jamie Newberry, and also here is Dave Wiskus. How are you, Dave? Hello, Jamie. <laughs> How was very, that? Very official sounding intro. Oh, I tried really hard. I, I, it's like some NPR shit right there. I hate to um, admit it, but I practiced. <laughs> It we paid off, Why would you hate to admit that? Because <laughs> I don't know if that sounds super nerdy, but anyway. <laughs> Practicing isn't cool. <laughs> Who practices? That's cool. You're supposed to be just good at it naturally. <laughs> so, hey, cool guest. Super interesting, fascinating guest. We, we have here today with us Mr. Adam Lissagor. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> are I, you I out also, there i coached on how to pronounce your name thanks no yeah i, I had it. to ask that too because <laughs> i screwed it up last time i did, i don't recall that but thank you yeah that's that that shows a lot of pride in worksmanship and and respect for <laughs> your guests i appreciate it well if our eagle-eared listeners may recall you were on the christmas episode that oh, was you were on a christmas uh, show it was it was sort of billed as the your episode, but over the course of the conversation, I just kept adding more people to the <laughs> Skype call as yeah. a surprise, yeah. and it turned out great in terms of the show was a lot of fun to listen to. It turned out terribly in that you barely got to talk. That's right. I, I the alternate title of that show is "The Night I Ignored My Family," <laughs> <laughs> and it was on Christmas Eve. Oh no, Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas everyone. <laughs> yeah, we didn't we didn't like fake that. That really was the Christmas episode. We recorded that damn thing on Christmas Eve. <laughs> the night before Christmas when Adam ignored his family. Yeah. And everybody uh, was Well, how are was, you, Adam? Oh, I'm I'm you know what? I'll be honest. I'm a little stressed out. I'm I'm stressed <gasps> out. <laughs> Do you guys ever have work disasters that you just feel like you're not going to pull out of? Never, ever. That's never happened. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm Almost just exclusively. <laughs> Almost all disaster, all the time. Okay. Yeah. You should, you should do something about that, Dave. That's no way to live. Um, I, you know, that's why I don't have a real job anymore, and, and I do other things. I think that work should be like 90% triumph and maybe 10% uh, mediocrity, and then... <laughs> No wait, there's nothing left over, and then and then two percent math, two percent math. Yeah. No, and then I think maybe one percent should be reserved for disaster, and I'm sort of living that. Um, I'm, I'm living that right now. Are, are you speaking of the microphone situation, or is there something <laughs> oh, bigger? If only, if only my work disaster were just that I couldn't find a good microphone to use for a podcast. <laughs> Well, I feel terrible now that we've compounded your existing disaster with uh, microphone problems. No, I needed this. I needed to get away. You needed a different problem? Yes. Well, but this one, is, near as I can tell, has been solved. So good. maybe that's the, uh, just the juice you needed to solve the other one. Yeah, I'm double micing it. I'm double systeming it, actually. Uh, that we're, we're double it's system, double outlook. ending. So double system is when you record... Your, your video to one thing or your picture to one thing and then your sound to another thing which and, and I'm, do, I'm actually re recording my sound to two separate recording devices just in case of failure and then we're double ending it because that's what we do as professional podcast people we might want to explain for the audience what double ending is because I'm imagining that they're imagining something other than what we're actually doing I feel well, like and if, we, if I may interrupt before that. you do, we also might we also <laughs> might want Adam to just give an overview for those guests who may not know who Adam is, just in case. For those guests. For those those guests, sorry, those for future guests. For future guests. guests. For those listeners, bear with me. Sure. That might not know Adam. Who are you? Oh, I'm happy to introduce myself. Um, my name is Adam. I. I primarily, what I do is I own a, a production company slash agency called Sandwich Video. Um, we're based in Los Angeles. And we make what can best be described as product videos or commercials for mostly for tech products that need to be introduced, um, need to be promoted um, through non-traditional advertising means usually. Um, and I've been doing it for a few years now. And I appear in a lot of the videos that I make, um, but You're not a star. all of them. 
Um, I refuse to sit in a director's chair. It's my own little quirk. <laughs> um, what else can I say? I have about, I have eight really solid, amazing people working for me. Um, and then two that are really kind of. <laughs> so, so, yeah, thought to let them go. Don't tell. And, and <laughs> you guys are experts in double ending. Yeah, we double end just all day long. Ah, <laughs> tell me more. Um, and yeah, so I'm, I'm I've got a lot of friends. I primarily, I guess, I work in the in the f- movie making, commercial making, production business. But I've got a lot of friends in the tech in, in the tech business side of things, and that's primarily my focus. It's funny because yeah, I think of you as as the tech industry's movie guy. Yeah, I, I I could think of myself as that. I don't make movies. I have worked on movies in my prior life, but I don't. And who knows? Maybe at some stage of the game, I might um, I might dip into that again as a as more of a movie maker. But um, well, somebody on Twitter was just suggesting that you direct the unprofessional movie that we we. That's come up right. With. Somebody <laughs> did say that just today. We we had uh, a while back. We had on an episode. We, sort of we workshopped a movie idea mm-hmm. and uh it was sort of kind of a sci-fi kind of a, a movie and it was suggested on twitter that you should direct it all right well Which i agree with if, if if we do this you should be the director i i think that 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 could definitely happen let's um let's put those wheels in motion <laughs> and you don't have to sit in a chair we, we won't make good because do i don't i just don't do it it's my thing it's my thing that's that's good and you won't have to have two microphones on you <laughs> That's the thing. Okay, good. Two mics, one sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds luxurious, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. What a gig. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Um, you know what? Uh, you you probably don't think of this. Not not like if you don't work in production or you've never been on set or anything like that. It's not a consideration that you would think of is really important. But the fact that directors often get their own um, trailer to work out of and stuff seems to me to be like just crucial if you're an important movie director and only not not only because you need somewhere to get some you know to get away do some thinking and get some respite from the hustle and bustle of the crew but also you need a place to go to the bathroom in peace and it's not something you think (laughs) about I mean it comes up on every shoot where you're just like there's even a code name for it when you um when you have to go number one or number two, you you say uh, <laughs> you say you tell your first assistant director um, I'm going ten one, or you tell them I have to I'm going to pee pee, and then they say director is ten one, he's stepping off, um, and that's because it's impolite to say you have to pee pee to the rest <laughs> of the crew. But like, there's always this awkward <laughs> moment on the set where you know you want to do what when nature calls in an obscene way. Uh, and, and maybe there's like one bathroom in on the location and the door is broken and the rest of the crew has been, uh, using it all day long. And, um, and there was like stroganoff for lunch and Uh. on and on and on. And sometimes you just want to get away. And to me, that's what, that's what it would, if I, if I had made it as a, as a director, you get your own special place to use the restroom, the washroom, sorry. WC. <laughs> so is this why you don't sit in the chair? <laughs> yeah. Like I'm wondering how these things connect. Because it blocks me up. No, it doesn't connect at all. I just <laughs> went off on a tangent. I, sometimes I like to talk oh, okay. about going to the bathroom. I was, I was waiting for it to circle back to. It and that's why I don't like it. Or maybe maybe director's chair was your euphemism for having your own bathroom or, no, or something. It, no, that's where dire- my mind went. The director's chair, and this sounds like I've manufactured like a, a quirk that I specifically wanted to talk about because I used it in my bio just now. But um, usually on set they'll have, they'll bring in a certain number of chairs, you know, you know, the ones, uh, yeah, you know, the director's chairs, the ones with cloth and or canvas and wood and they'll bring in a they certain, they just don't look very comfortable. No, well, they're, they're not bad. I mean, it's better than standing. Um, sure. Yeah. But to but um, they bring them in for the director, for the producers, maybe for the clients if they're there. Um, but to me, I always feel like if I'm sitting in that thing, well, I I feel like a jerk. Like I feel like I look like a jerk. 
like the guy <laughs> that's just sitting there on his butt um, while everybody else is working hard. And I'd say it's much cooler to sit on an Apple box if you can. That's the real move right there. Okay. <laughs> and an Apple box is just like, you know, a wooden box that they use for for getting up higher on stuff. Yeah. Why hasn't like Herman Miller gotten on this? Why aren't why isn't somebody coming in and saying, "Hey, forget these canvas and wood chairs. Let's bring in some M bodies or Aerons or something." That's well, a, a great portability fun. factor. <laughs> yeah, that's de- that's definitely of- one of the main considerations. Also, Dave, that's ridiculous. <laughs> but comfortable. Yeah. But comfortable. It's just like how much space and can you imagine trying to wheel in like two at a time and you're just ugh. <laughs> They're very heavy. They're cumbersome. Do you guys have the Herman Miller chairs? I had. I had an Aeron for a long time. I, I have no chair well. now. Yeah, I have a big green ball at my desk. Oh, that's great. You guys are very alternative work sitters or standers. Um, I, just, <laughs> I just use a $40 job from the office depot. Uh, the the Aeron nice. chair that I used very briefly sort of had a weird Im- effect on my lumbar and I didn't and I don't have back problems so I ditched it yeah yep. chairs are uh, chairs are an important thing and this is maybe if they made like uh, some kind of box that you sat in and it like closed or there's a curtain that closed around you mm-hmm. from uh, from your waist you could solve the bathroom problem and the chair problem in one go oh that sounds like a nightmare scenario <laughs> <laughs> Like you're you're always in a position where if you need to go, you just go. Nobody even needs to know. Yeah, no, that doesn't seem like it would work very well. It seems like... somebody's got to empty that situation. That just yeah, no, no. Yeah. Well, no, it'd be connected to plumbing. Really? <laughs> or yeah, I don't know. Also cumbersome, or just a hose. <laughs> if you can. Yeah, I, I'm just the idea man. I can't solve all the problems. Really, Dave, if you're really going for that, couldn't you just put your desk in your bathroom? <laughs> Make that your office, literally your office. Well, no, I meant for the director. Oh, oh, oh! I see. Yeah, like a like a like a a, a waist down porta potty situation for the director on set in front of many people. Right. Well, nobody would know you're you know. They would know doing your business. Yeah. <laughs> so before the show, yeah, you had asked us to watch something. Oh yeah, I did. Yeah, just you know, because I didn't know whether we were going to have some. Stuff to talk about. Well, there's always stuff to talk. About. Always, never a you, shortage. You would, and it, it's it's rare that anybody even asks, and that surprises me. Normally, guests are just like, "Yeah, I'll do the show," and then they show up and and they expect to be told what the thing is. Uh, our our policy is that we don't have. I don't know if it's a policy, but that's kind of how we do stuff. We don't we don't ever really start with a topic, mm-hmm. not because we're against it, but just because we found that we always end up going off on tangents anyway. We're just going to save the energy. Sure. We're not gonna. We're not gonna put the time into doing that if that, if it never works out that way. So it was out. interesting that you asked specifically, "What are we going to talk about?" Because then I feel like a jerk. Like, oh God, how unprepared are we going to look now? No, that's okay. <laughs> not at all. As long as we have, as long as the topic at hand is that there is no topic, that's fine. Yeah, it's just unscripted conversation. But you did toss out a suggestion for a thing we could talk about mm-hmm. today, which was uh, this movie, The Congress. Yeah. Yep. Well, see, here's how, here's how it came up. Um, you ever you ever do that thing where you're at home, like browsing Netflix and iTunes, and you can't. There's nothing to, that you really want to dedicate two hours to, or you just you you realize that you've dedicated an hour to finding something to dedicate two hours to. <laughs> and then the <laughs> that's like every day of my time. life. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And then it turn. It, what it means is we've got too much damn time on our hands. Is what it means. But, but what 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 I end up doing a lot of times is maybe once a month um, going into the trailers app on Apple TV and just like watching the last month's worth of new and interesting trailers, which I used to do on the web, but I don't really, you know, I don't really have that leisure time available so much I- anymore. So now it's like nice to be at home in, in the living room and, you know, get a bowl of popcorn and sit down with a missus and then just have trailer a trailer watching for a half an hour. It's really, it can be fun. So that's what we did last night. We ended up going through all the trailers. And it's usually, I feel like our viewing of trailers is usually targeted to um, the latest sort of indie slash epic studio sci-fi offerings or the latest indie, mm, super precious, 
coming of age stories, you know, something to roll your eyes at, or then whatever <laughs> like the funny people are doing, you know, whether it's um, Paul Rudd or uh, uh, Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig. And it sounds like you and I have exactly the same taste in movies. That's what I'm getting right probably, now. Probably, probably we do. Like exactly. And, uh, or it could just be that uh, it's a lot of the, that's the stuff that bubbles up to the top on, um, on iTunes trailer, trailers app. Uh, but I, I, I realized last night that there's, a, there's a, just a wealth of really interesting looking sci-fi movies coming up. And one of them caught my attention specifically because it's got a, an A-list cast and a really interesting concept. Um, that's yeah. sort of inside industry, inside entertainment a little bit, which is and my... Don't forget, my, it, it's got Princess Buttercup. It's got Princess Buttercup slash, um, what's her character's name on House of Cards? Oh, I forget. I she's amazing on that show. Yeah, she's just, she's, she's great. Yeah, she Robin Wright great. Penn. Robin Wright Robin Penn. Wright. One of the greats. And uh, she's in this movie. And I love, I love movies like this that are about media. And like just show a vision of what um, how media how the story the bigger story of media and how it affects society might play out. And it feels like this is one of those uh, Truman Show I would put in that category. And yeah. there was some awful attempt back in the early two thousands, I think, with Al Pacino, um, and it was called Simone, I think. S- Simone. Oh, Sim One. Sim yeah, one, yeah, I remember that one. Simone, but yeah, I remember that was pretty bad actually. It was awful. It was awful. Um, it was made by a, a director of photography. It was his first, or no, 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 a screenwriter. It was his, it was his first time directing. Anyway, this this one looks really interesting, and I would say, I don't know. What do you, can you can you what do, what do you usually do if there's like a something that you want your viewers to watch or your listeners to watch? Uh, or, uh, well, we can we can put a, a link to the trailer in the yeah. show notes. Yeah. Yep, and then we just like we pause for for two minutes. While they watch it. Yeah, so um, you guys go watch that right now. Hit pause on the show. Go watch that. Then come back because the rest of this isn't going to make much sense <laughs> if you don't. Know about. And well, it's only a couple of minutes. You should go watch it. And honestly, the trailer doesn't make a whole lot of sense either, but that's kind of what I like about it. All right, so hit pause now. <laughs> okay, welcome back. Um, Hope you did your homework. <laughs> so the, the watching it, the, my first thought was this is – Effectively, it's being Robin Wright. That's what it felt like to me. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. So the yeah, parallel to being John Malkovich, is that what you mean? Yeah, that's the, totally the vibe I got. And I know it's not you know, the same exact premise, but that same thing of the personality is the, the person. Yeah, she is than, the person that you know. She is Robin Wright in this movie. Right, playing a, a dramatized version of herself in the same way that Malkovich did in being John Malkovich. And uh, there's been a couple of other, like... I want to say re- recently, I can't think of an example, but I, I feel like this has come up a couple of times. Somebody playing themselves. Yeah, it's great. I'm sure that I, IMDb probably has a tag for for that subgenre of movie, um, and you're probably your listeners can submit a whole bunch of. Uh, I'm sure of we're going to get tweets. Uh, I love that genre of movie. I love when ce- celebrities have the, uh, I don't know, just the courage to. Well, courage is a weird word. They have the boldness to um, to self refer. And did you see? Did you watch um, Entourage? Yeah, I did. Yeah, Seth Green on on, on Entourage. That dude, he played such a dick version. Oh yeah, of that's himself. right. Yeah, <laughs> I think a lot of celebrities they they'll take the opportunity to have some fun with it, which is great, and like just be. You know who else did that? Michael Sarah in um, The World's <laughs> End or End of the World. I yeah. loved that movie. <laughs> yeah, that was a great one because he he. <laughs> His character was just the worst. Like, remember, he got smacked by Rihanna. He tried to snort coke off everything. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that, was that movie is a great example of this because everybody in the movie was playing right. a dramatized version of themselves. Yeah, exactly. And then, and that uh, Jay Baruchel was the almost non-celebrity of the celebrity group because he was the least famous. He was the um, the protagonist. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so the, the, this movie the. The Congress is one of those where Robin Wright plays herself with her own um, real past of like her filmography and everything. And 
what I gather is that can I can I describe it or is that please yeah please go for it so this is just from for memory those who didn't from, pause and watch the <laughs> yeah the, the this is just from memory from watching it last night but that she um she plays Robin Wright Penn or I think it might just be Robin Wright now she yeah. she plays Robin Wright who is essentially an aging um, actor at sort of the what is implied as the twilight of her career like her best days are behind her even though nothing could be further th- from the truth but maybe the studio is convincing her of uh, that her star her star is falling um and that there's this technology in which they can scan her essentially and capture the essence of her and her image and her emotions and her her um persona and then use that what that data that they've captured to basically use her in any future artifact or entertainment ever and they they and then they own her they own her image as a property and that they can do anything with it and that she's some she's sort of signing a contract like almost like signing a deal with the devil and the the studio executive is played by this guy. I don't know who his na- what his name is, but he's just great. He's a foreign actor, I think. Um, and then that's, that in itself is a compelling enough idea, but then it goes into this sort of metaphysical slash spiritual dimension where um, the fact that she's given herself over to be scanned and captured as data then transports her into some other world that doesn't resemble our own world. It's almost like a data world or like like a lawnmower man world. Um, I was going to say Tron. Tron, yeah, like a Tron world, like a computer world where everything's super weird and like maybe there's an alternate reality and it's creepy and nightmarish. And um, that's th- th- that's kind of an interesting idea. Um, and I don't know what they're going to do with it and I don't really care so much about that That part of the story i like the other the other part the other part that sort of stays anchored to this world well apparently this came out last year what yeah it it was released in 2013 no or at least it was for independent release i'm looking uh i'm looking now to see if i can find if it's available anywhere why is it because it says release i think on on itunes it said release release date was like in June or August, maybe. Yeah, looking on IMDb, the Congress 2013 film. Maybe that's when they made it, but the release date. Uh, I mean, uh, premiered at, at Cannes uh, last May, May 15th. Oh, wow. Of, of this crazy. year? Of, of, of 2013. Oh, that's weird. That, that probably means it sucks. <laughs> uh, American Rice, uh, theatrical video on demand, digital release planned for 2014. So I guess it's not out yet, but it was it was premiered last year. I interesting. That's interesting. Hmm. In theaters, August 29th, 2014. Yeah, it probably means they just don't know what to do with it. And, oh, I guess it came out in France on July 3rd. Yeah, they get all the best stuff. Of last year. Hmm. Strange. Danny Houston. is the Well, movie. I want to see it. Yeah, I, I want to see Keitel, it. Robin Wright, Paul Giamatti, John Hamm. This it's is, got uh, all, all the greats. <laughs> yeah. this got is, some uh, this great is, people in it this is guaranteed to be a winner yeah or at least uh, an indie darling it's probably real crap though to be honest i i, I think this happens quite a lot <laughs> where you'll see a, a trailer for an interesting looking sci-fi movie and then within the first four minutes you can tell there's a reason that it wasn't at your local cineplex <laughs> you never heard of it did you see the uh i'm sure you did a scanner darkly i saw that yeah it, What'd you think of that? It was real interesting. It was real artsy, real artsy and experimental, and I don't, I don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> it gave me a headache. That I was remember a movie I really it, but like. yeah, I, it's been so long. That was when I actually owned an animation studio too. When that came out, I mean, it was you know we were all like, "Whoa, it's going to be so great," and then it was kind of like, "Huh." Eh. Oh, interesting. <laughs> t- t- uh, what? Tell me about that. What was your animation studio? Oh, uh, we just did. Um, we did broadcast animations for commercials and stuff for agencies, stuff for McDonald's and all, you know, big, big commercials. A lot of interactive stuff, too. Like we'd shoot green screen stuff and mesh it. We did some 8-1 steak sauce videos and I don't know, all kinds of stuff. I mean, oh. did that for like five years. Wow. Why don't you do that anymore? 
Um, you know, I got kind of burned out. The, the interactive stuff was always my passion. So I kind of broke off and really focused on that um, when we broke up the band, so to speak. Um, in 2009, we did that. And um, I don't know, I got kind of, I don't know, if you work with huge agencies, like, I prefer working directly with the customers, um, with the, you know, if it's a brand, mm-hmm. as opposed to going through an agency. Yep. Um, the big agencies have a very formulaic um, way of working, and it really removes a layer of empathy <laughs> from from your target audience, and I don't like that. So, I don't know, just, just a change. Yeah, I agree with all those things you said and um and then you definitely know the crisis of post, <laughs> post-production crisis that oh right i sure now. do I've, i mean that can that, be the loneliest we, we didn't actually ask you what your crisis was is that it's a post-production crisis it I is was, i, I mean, was hesitant i didn't want to i didn't want you to put, put you in a position where you were going to say something incriminating oh i don't mind no and i won't name names i, I won't be specific but yeah there's uh you know, I work directly, like you said, I don't, I don't work with agencies hardly yeah. at all. I've only done that twice or three times. So mostly I'm working with, directly with clients, which is awesome, except that they're usually, uh, they, they usually don't have the experience to maybe foresee issues that might crop up. So they think that they want one thing and, <laughs> and then yeah. it turns out that that might've been the, the wrong the, the wrong way to think of it and then everybody's sort of left to deal with it in post-production so what yeah. I'm dealing with right now is <laughs> you know we shared an edit of something and then and then you know you either hear back right away or you mm-hmm. don't hear back right away you don't hear back for 24 hours or something and you know it could go either way and usually when yep. you hear back right away it's great it's it's true because they're just responding immediately they're responsive they know what they think even if they don't love love it they know that it's they can see the light at the end of the tunnel they can they know how to like they have some vision of working through the problems that they see if if they don't respond right away it's because they (laughs) don't know what the hell the problem is and they don't know how to fix it yeah, and, and they, they have to show it to forty-five other people to get everybody's feedback. How did you know feedback? what is going on in my life right now? How did uh, you know I that I got forwarded six different emails from friends of friends today, yeah. all of which say that um, I'm a worthless human being? How did you know that? <laughs> uh, Seventeen years, my friend. Seventeen mm-hmm. years of been doing this stuff. Yep. I mean, it makes it makes sense. Your your reputation is uh, that you're terrible at this sort of thing. <laughs> well, you know, re- <laughs> reputation does not hold a candle. Uh, hold a candle. Reputation does, doesn't hold any water at all once the paperwork is signed. Um, it's true. Oh, Based, that's absolutely it's, true. It's very true. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, d- doing d- design work even. Uh, that's always been the case for me. Hmm. I can... I can point to things I've done and people can be impressed people can be excited people can even approach me based on things that I've done in the past mm-hmm. but the second the ink is on the page what matters is their opinion yeah, we want exactly. you because you're you but we want what we want yeah we want what we want and then there's um, prove to you prove to us that you're not going to fuck this up <laughs> yeah uh-huh. yep so what's your what's your oh god we're talking about work what's your how do you select like the 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 people that you'll work with or or that you like the projects you want to take on is there like some criteria or is it just like uh, hey let's keep those bills paid no there's this there's definitely criteria and there's like sort of a holistic uh, there's a holistic process with everything I can't even pinpoint it but generally you know just from signs from the very first line of communication. you do a little bit of follow-up research to find out a little more. Um, and, you know, it's, it's financial, it's, it's quality of the people working on the project, and it's quality of the product itself. Um, yep. And, you know, basically you can sort of see, you learn to see 10 steps ahead to a nightmare. Um, you know, I'm sure Jamie can attest to this. You start to learn the early, the early warning signs of a nightmare client, and probably if you identify, um, you know, 10 times you identify nightmare clients, 
you're probably only going to have the courage to fire those clients one one out of those ten times or something. The other nine times you're stuck working with them because you don't want to, you know, you're just holding out for that <laughs> that glimmer of hope that it might not be the nightmare that you expect it to be. Right, mm. right. It, it, that's I usually start everything with a thirty minute conversation. Like it can last up to thirty minutes, but you know by then before. I mean, that's just to see if we're going to work together. You know, sure, I mean, sure. Before we even write contracts or write scopes or or even get into the project details, it's kind of let's just have a compatibility check. Yeah, yeah, and and it's weird sometimes. Uh, there have probably been a handful of times, five five to ten times, and I've had, oh, God, probably upwards of a thousand or more phone calls in the past few years um, where you you can send, you can sniff it out right away. And and sometimes, like if you're feeling saucy, you're you're feeling a little punchy. You can tell the people right there on the phone. You know what? This isn't probably going to work out. So we should just save our time. Yep. And that always kind of feels <laughs> better than it than it reasonably should. That's my uh, approach to dating. <laughs> <laughs> just get up in the middle of a conversation. You know what? I don't think this is going anywhere. Yeah, you see scenes of that in movies. I haven't dated in like like. 40 years but like you see scenes of that in movies where um two people will be out on a first date and then just like you know what this isn't working and then they just kind of be you know get up and (laughs) walk away and that always feels like it's very honest and freeing to be able to do that oh yeah and i joke but the truth is if i know if it's a first date and i know it's not going well and it's not going to go anywhere i just suffer through it (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> I, I smile and I listen to her stories and I'll, you know, be polite and uh, just I'm just smile kind of, and wave, boys. Like I like it feels it almost feels passive uh, passive aggressive on my side. How how long can I go <laughs> seeming like I'm being polite before she understands and will initiate the wandering off and different like how do I I don't know. I don't ever want to be a jerk and just say, hey, fuck off. Oh, yeah, you definitely couldn't do that. I mean, at the very least, you're having a nice conversation. You know, you're having a conversation with another human. And might as well. Yeah, and get some for somebody who works alone, that's uh, sometimes that's nice. Like, hey, a conversation <laughs> with a person. Just, I don't want to lead you on and make you think this is going anywhere. But uh, I do like talking to a person. Yeah. So let me ask you, though, how do you close out of that situation, Dave? Like, OK, the, the date comes to a close. <laughs> now, like if it has gone well, there's the will you want to do it again sometime sort of thing, I think. I see. I also am very out of the dating scene. Like I just haven't <laughs> in forever. So, um, yeah. How does that work? I mean, you Usually... either. Usually you kind of both parties know and if it, you know things come to a close and you kind of recognize that you've both been polite and you're just enjoying each other's company without it needing to be anything you can just say hey I had a great time take care and you just walk away <laughs> There's no planning there's no yeah it's like well see you later <laughs> and that's it uh but if if one person is not on the same page with the other person then you you try doing things like, hey, I had a great time. And then maybe somebody says, well, maybe we should do this again. And the only move is totally. <laughs> that's so funny. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the one and only move there because you don't want to be like, I don't think so. Yeah, no, to- it's no. funny how laden with subtext the word totally it can be. <laughs> <laughs> when you... <laughs> When you or just like those like li- those little one word colloquialisms that we toss off, especially in the workplace, I don't do this. I don't get this now because I work in an office with people I I really enjoy working with, and we use Slack for most of our communication and stuff like that. So where there's like a real there's a real comfortable flow. But when I used to work in an office where I didn't really want to talk to anybody that I worked with, there was a lot of just like yeah. Awesome. 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 Totally. Exactly. Totally. Awesome. For me, it's not just the word. It's the it's the half beat right in front of it. (laughs) Yeah. Totally. (laughs) That's good. That's like a two a two count or a two and a half. count. (laughs) There's just a little bit of. But, you you know, I mean, if it's the end of the night and it's just not 
you want to be polite, but you don't want to set yourself up for having to do more shit. <laughs> I'm just in this because I like talking to you. That I just have there's no romantic connection. And there's no nice way to say it. Yeah, that. so get get it while you can, am I right? Get it. <laughs> Soak up the whiskers. Yeah. <laughs> it works both ways, too. I'm sure there's been plenty of girls I've been out with where I thought she was great or whatever, and she's just like, yeah. <laughs> I can't even say I'm sure that's happened. I am sure that's happened. I've, I've been on that date many times. <laughs> How does that fun. go? <laughs> I got to now I got to keep prodding. How does that go? How does that how's that end? Exactly the way you think it ends. Uh, I'll send a text or I'll call or something and she's like, you know, dial tone. <laughs> she uh, she texts back totally, but just like <laughs> <laughs> with the pause in front of it, two spaces. Yeah. 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 Some spaces and just the word dial tone. There's got to be there's got to be an emoji for an awkward pause. I need a we need a throwing shade emoji. That's what we need. <laughs> Oh man! So much better than this yo bullshit. Yeah. yeah what do we make of this? I did what do we this. make of this? So did you see this? Did you see this yo app in the news? Yeah, <laughs> saw it. Okay. So if if you haven't, uh, hit pause. That'll be our thing. I think. Go for... go look at the the internet and come back. Uh, yeah, because this will be out. This episode will be out tonight, so this will still be news. This isn't coming out like a year from now where people are like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I, I, I don't think Yo is going to be much news tomorrow. It'll have dried up. No, and... it'll be forgotten. Yeah. If, the, if we release this episode tomorrow, nobody's going to know what we're talking about. <laughs> so there's, yeah, this app called Yo, and all it does is send the word Yo to somebody in your contact list. Yep. And people invested one million in an app that just says Yo. Now, that's, that's been the buzz that is the, uh, the, the kicker. Yep. Tech story of the year. Yep. Brilliant. Do you think maybe we've hit the tipping point where we're going to start to realize that the best and brightest minds of our generation are doing stupid shit instead of solving problems? Oh, not by a long shot, Dave. I think we've got a, <laughs> I think we've got a ways to go before we, hear, where, before we hit that tipping point of realization. <laughs> you know, what these guys should have been doing is spending their time uh, like coming up with a new way to share photos. <laughs> Solving real problems, yeah, like sharing photos, or or brief messages with each other on the internet, or a blogging platform, or any of these things would yeah, be that better. Everybody else is working on. Even in software, there's problems that I don't understand why nobody's solving, like podcasting. Why does making a podcast still suck? That's true. Yeah, yeah. That is, that we got to get true. that down. Like, there's got to be like a Squarespace of podcasting soon. Yeah, why? It blows my mind that there's not. I don't understand how that has not been tackled. I'm sure that there are people listening to this right now who are nodding their heads and saying, I'm working on that. But <laughs> give me but a minute. Ship it. <laughs> God damn it, ship it. And tell us about it. Solve my problem. Yeah, maybe or maybe the answer is that there's not enough of a market for it. And mm. Not enough of a need. That's my sense. I think that there's just so few podcasters. So I was talking to a friend of mine who makes uh, an app called uh, Teleprompt Plus. Mm. Oh, no, I, we, we use that here. Hey, look at that. So this episode sponsored by. <laughs> uh, so they, they make Teleprompt Plus. And, and we were just discussing the app was for a long time, like like $9 or $10 or something on the store. Mm-hmm. And he had pushed with his partners that it should this needs to be more expensive. So they raised the price. I think it's $25 now. Mm-hmm. And when they went from... Ten dollars to twenty-five dollars, sales went up. Sure. And his his explanation, his best guess as to why is that if you're looking at a sea of crappy thrown together teleprompt apps, these things look like they're made by amateurs. The one that costs the most money, the kind of person who's looking for a teleprompter, they just want the one that's the best. Yep. And if there's one that's priced like a pro app, they're gonna grab that. Yeah. It's so dumb how that works, how that works on us, that little bit of psychological manipulation. But it works. Meanwhile, my, my $5 notes app, we, we, we just changed the price to $3, and it's going nuts. So I, uh, the best I can figure is there's, it's got to be about the market. Yeah. Well, yeah, it depends on the product for sure. Right, right. And so much has been written. I mean, I feel like the topic was already exhausted within the first m- six months of the app store being open of how you price, how you price things in the market. And remember like Instagram, Instapaper people were, it feels like up in arms over 
how Instinct Paper was priced. I, I don't know. It's always been a, it's always been an, an interesting and controversial topic. Um, but some things just work, and it really depends on what your market is. If your market, I mean, how many people use a teleprompter? Right, <laughs> right. And that, that's what I mean. If you were to charge, if you made the podcast making app, you wouldn't charge ten dollars for that. No, yeah, definitely. Uh, presumably, you would charge a hundred dollars or two hundred dollars for that, and the people who make podcasts would spend that because this is. You know, they might their life easier. They might. I Squarespace don't know. is going to pay for it anyway. I, I I don't know, but I don't know if they would. I think if there were a pro version of it, they would pay a hundred bucks. I think that enough people have recorded the first episode of a podcast, uh, and then never a second episode, to make mm-hmm. it a twenty twenty dollar purchase. The light version of that of whatever that software is. Uh, what I what I'd kind of like to see is something like remember um, iWeb. Mm-hmm. Where anybody could sit down, and they made you know a quick website, and they could put it up there. Like, why, why, why can't we have people? Why can't my grandmother or grandfather, you know, just gender equality, sit down and record a, a podcast, like an like an audio thing where they share the family newsletter that they would otherwise email out to everybody? Mm-hmm. Why, why can't people do that? I would love it if your grandparents made a podcast, Dave. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that'd your be super cute. But. I've talked to a couple of startups that were all around this idea of um, of uh, you, the elderly in your family have so much history to share, and most of it is going to be lost when they when they pass, and so it gives them a publishing platform to do so. Whether that's in blogging or um, you know text, or it, it actually can, it can actually I, if I remember correctly, it's like a, it'll it'll automatically call their phone and. Once they answer, they can just they can just start talking, telling a story, and it'll it'll save it and put it up on the on the. Um, That's cool. Yeah, it's real neat, and I don't even remember what it's called. So anything like that, where you're you're trying to capture a person to some degree for posthumous recounting, that I don't know. There's something powerful about that. There's something powerful about. That. I think even more so than text. Like it'd be great to have. My grandfather passed away uh, a while back. Uh, about a year ago as much as it would be nice to have him writing down all of his stories it'd be so much more powerful so much more interesting to hear him tell them like to have the audio of that yeah absolutely and you're not going to get uh you're you're not going to get most old people to figure out how to record audio in their in their ancient desktop desktop computer right i don't even know if the ipad makes it any easier to be honest I, I'm so dismayed by this. I got my grandma an iPad uh, Air, and I was so yeah. excited about it because I figured this is the thing she's finally going to be able to figure out. Um, and no, she just, like, it sat there and went unused. And even when I tried to show her how to use it, it's just she's so aggressively anti-learning <laughs> learning this thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I it really, really depends on the person, huh? It really I mean, depends on the person. Some people... Some people are, uh, even into old age, it feels like they're, I, I'm sorry, I cut you off, Jamie, but um, no, no, no. into old age, some people are really excited about expanding them, their, their skills or learning a new thing. And then some people, like my poor grandma, has spent her life sort of basically being told that there are a lot of things that she'll never learn. And Aww. she's believed it, you know. That makes my heart sad. Mine too. I saw this this thing. Maybe it was a cartoon or something. It was posted on Facebook. I wish I could remember the source, and I'm sure somebody out there knows it. Uh, maybe one of you guys knows it. But it, it was a uh, somebody saying that they get sad when when people will start sounding excited about something and then kind of stop and apologize, like, "Oh, sorry, I get a little excited when I talk about this thing," mm. because what it says is that they've spent their entire lives. Whenever they get excited about something, somebody basically told them, "Shut up, nobody cares." Yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's a learned behavior. And that kind of rings true for me. There's moments where I'll get really amped up. I'm sort of prone to do that, get really amped up about a thing, and I can't stop talking about the thing or focusing on the thing. And I just feel like, oh, God, why? Why do I do this? Nobody cares. And where was it in my history that somebody told me to shut up? Elementary school, I bet. Probably. I mean, that's where where most nerd-like behavior is clamped down first, it feels like. Or, you know, junior high age um 
the horror, uh, the, the horror, memories. Yeah. But I mean, that's what, <laughs> that's what we talk about when we talk about nerd, you know, nerd or nerding out on something, being a nerd for something, being a blank nerd. It's all about being so into that thing that you're enthusiastic, outwardly so, about it. And um, early on, it feels like that kind of behavior is punished in a way, uh, for which totally sucks because it ends up being a lifelong uh, pattern of behavior. So yeah, it makes me worry about what other things I, I might be missing or what other things I might see the wrong way. Last week we had a, a guest on the show, this guy TJ, who is a, a BMX bike rider He's guy an ex, professionally x games pro and then x games yeah. winner uh host a show on mtv and mm. it's like here's a guy and he's just so positive so overwhelmingly like effusive about the world and ever since he was on, i just keep thinking to myself like why don't i see the world that way mm. hmm. i don't know maybe, maybe maybe he was just he got invigorated by activities that were more accessible or more more relatable and weren't so easily punishable by um yeah i think maybe being into riding bikes and like sports and being outside is a lot different socially than being into uh, computers well, yeah definitely sorry yeah or star wars it's true i mean there's different personality types there's so many things that contribute to that sort of thing i mean with that particular guest like we grew up together you know like i grew up we grew up next door to each other and we hung out. We're like best friends until we were, until I moved in fifth grade. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's funny cause we, yeah, d- I definitely took the nerd route. Like I am mm. so not into sports and athletic things. Like I run and stuff. That's about it. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting though. But his, his mom was always just amazingly supportive too. You know, mm. I don't know. I always yeah. wonder what kinds of things really contribute overall. I blame the parents. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the parents. It's always the parents. It it makes me think your your comment about uh, uh, setting up systems for old people. To, oh God, there's a siren behind me. Sorry. <laughs> Fucking New York. <laughs> systems for old people. You were talking about systems for old people to tell their stories to get these things captured, and I think maybe that's not far off from what we hope the best of podcasts are to begin with. I mean, that's why you're here now. We want you to be able to to talk and share thoughts and opinions in a way that other people might not normally get to see or hear you do. It's a time capsule of you, Adam. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, that's true. Wasn't, forgive me if I'm wrong, Odeo was originally, um, okay, Odeo was set up and then Apple ate their lunch somehow. What What was it they were doing? I don't even remember what they were doing. That was, um, oh, it was before the podcast, uh, like podcasting uh, on iTunes. Odeo was going to be right, like a database right. of podcasting. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that Odeo originally had some like dead simple mechanism for making a podcast. Like it could have been as easy as you call a one eight hundred number and start talking or something like that. That's the kind of thing that sounds great on paper, but the audio <laughs> quality you're going to get from somebody calling an 800 number is going to be just awful. Sure, sure. Hey, d- speaking of this, hey, and this this could be an interesting segue to something else, but um, do you guys ever use um, uh, FaceTime audio? Yes. Do you use yeah. it? I have uh, friends friends in Europe who who call me using that. Is it? What's your experience of it? To when when you're when you're using it. Uh, same as any phone call where I get really weirded out that somebody called me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're not like you're you're not uh, you're not really impacted by the the difference in quality of the audio. Oh, the the difference in audio quality is remarkable. It's it's like listening to somebody through a tin can and string versus listening to somebody in the same room with you. Yeah, and that's only slightly hyperbolic. And it's a little weird, right? It's a little almost off putting. That it's a, it's like there's not enough separation. There's not enough detachment. Uh, I feel I do enough podcasts that I already feel like you know any any sense of separation uh, separation or detachment is gone for me. That's anyway. that's a very very good point actually. Um, and what about what about you, Jamie? Have you used it? Nope. No, I do. I do use it um, <laughs> mostly. Interestingly, with my my daughter, the older one, um, she's nine and she does 
spend the nights every once in a while, and she'll take mm-hmm. an iPad with her. And occasionally, I'll get a call with FaceTime. Sometimes with video, sometimes not. But oh, when she's spending the night at friend's house. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Technology is awesome. <laughs> it really is. I can't even imagine what my my I have a one year old, and I can't even imagine what he's going to grow up with because he's quite used to the just the regular the regular idea of being of having his grandparents just suddenly appear on a glass screen. Yeah. Which is so cool. I mean, that's something, you know, my girls are able to do over at their dad's house. They, you know, they're able to talk to their grandparents and stuff who live far away. I think it's so cool. I was at a a Starbucks for a meetup a few weeks ago. And as I'm standing there talking to some people, I look over and there's a girl, uh, I'm going to guess in her 20s, sitting at at one of the little two top round tables that they have at Starbucks. And she's sitting there. She's got her iPad out. And she's talking to her parents, and she's got a, a pretty heavy British accent, and you can tell from lighting that it's probably later where they are. And so, like, it's obvious she's having a conversation with her parents over FaceTime while she's sitting there in the Starbucks. And I realized, based on where she's sitting, they can see me. <laughs> Did you wave? And so I look over, and I'm like, I'm having this sort of moment, and I see she... The girl kind of turns around and she's pointing at things like, oh, and here's some people and, you know, this is the Starbucks I'm in. And so I just wave. Like I smile and I wave at them and they wave back. And I had this <laughs> moment of as, as cool it is, as it is for them to be able to talk to each other in this way across all of those miles and a great big ocean uh, in real time. How neat that I get to like <laughs> have a cameo role in that conversation. <laughs> That's how far we've come. It's not just that we can connect. It's that we can also kind of connect with strangers in a weird That's way. That's super cool. And if you if you circle it back around to that, well, we, that idea in the Congress that if your data is, uh, if you if if your identity is replicated as data, then you're suddenly your identity is sucked into a new space, and and if you think of it that way, that your image suddenly appeared in the UK, and. Uh, <laughs> And you actually sort of trans, what do they, what do they call it? In, t- you teleported in a way. Yeah. yeah. A very small. I got, to, I got to wave at and smile at people who live in another country at random, almost by mistake. Yeah. And it, it reminds me of uh, like when you, when you stop, if you're, when you're in a big city, sometimes you'll walk by a group of people and they'll ask you to take their picture. Mm-hmm. This happens here in New York all the time. It happens in Vegas all the time. But you'll be walking by and someone will say, hey, can you take our picture? They'll give you their camera, which is a, a weird trust thing already. Yeah. But they'll <laughs> hand you a camera or their phone or something, and they'll go stand together, and you take their picture, and then they thank you, and they come over, and they take their thing back, and they look at the picture, and they're all excited as you walk off. That same kind of you get to play a role in somebody else's life mm-hmm. in a weird, small way. Mm-hmm. I love things like that. I love things that remind me that we are still people. Yeah. Do you mean that you, because you stuck your thumb in the in front of the lens and, and now you're in the picture? <laughs> oh, oh. No, I like to make a game of it, and I like to try to uh, get them to not just stand there smiling, staring mm-hmm. blankly at a, a camera. I want them to when when they look at the picture a year from now, I want them to think that they were having fun that day. So I try to like I I I don't know. I fun it up a little bit. Or maybe I'm just that asshole who won't shut up and take the picture. <laughs> I'm not sure which of this is. Now, this, is a, this, this brings me to an interesting realization I had recently about, about that common convention where you, somebody asks you to take a picture or you see that two people are trying awkwardly to take a picture of themselves and you offer to step in. This happened to me at the Hollywood Bowl um, maybe about a year ago. Uh, there was this couple in in the seats in front of us at the Hollywood Bowl. I forget who we were seeing, and they were on a romantic date. And they were going. They the guy had his um, his camera up, taking a selfie of them with the the bowl in the background. It was really pretty and everything. And I think and I remember before they took their selfie, I said, "Hey, you know," I said, "Can I take? Can I? Um, can I take a picture of you guys?" And I think out of kind of obligation, the guy said, yeah, sure. And then I took the camera and I took a picture of them. And I and then in that moment, I recognized how much less personal it was, that image that I had taken it and they were detached from um, the process in that way. And that how much more valuable a selfie was to them in that um, in that moment and probably how much more memorable that they were actually holding the camera themselves. Uh, not only is the lens closer to their faces, but also the 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 aesthetic of the the selfie has all this other interesting 
connotation now about what we're permitted to, uh, how we're permitted to express ourselves visually, photographically for other people. And when, and the, the act of taking a selfie, not that I'm writing a dissertation on the selfie or anything, <laughs> but the act of taking a selfie means something so much than so much more than just capturing. This is me in this place. Well, there's a, there's a, a second part to this where all of the people involved in this photograph are in the photograph. Right. There is no there, unseen yeah, exactly. actor there's, off screen. There's no third person. Yeah, there's no um, objective point of view. Um, and so, I, like in that moment, I just I made it kind of a an effort to remember this to myself. Let people take their selfies. It's going to be more valuable. And then I think that he probably didn't want to go and actually take his selfie because he thought it would be it would look rude to me if he like, took another <laughs> one or something like that. If um, we continued, yeah. Uh... Anyway, I'm not against selfies, and I think after this conversation, I'm very much in favor. Of <laughs> no, yeah, I, I have but to say, sometimes oh. there's no way for eight people to take a selfie, and sometimes you got to right. be you got to be a good citizen and, and lend a hand. That's, well, it reminds me of the people taking pictures with their iPads. <laughs> we, yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know that happened to us. We hike a lot. My boyfriend and I hike a fair amount, and um, we were we were hiking at Red Rock recently, and a guy like whips out his iPad and there is connection out there. We learned. Um, and he's having us, he like dials up Skype and he's just talking. So he's, hello, we're hiking. And it was just, it was so crazy, but so <laughs> anyway, it was bizarre not to go out of the realm of the, the selfie too far there, but yeah, the, the iPad is so strange. FaceTime is a selfie. FaceTime is a video selfie. <laughs> It's so cool. It is. And especially, I love that. I, I haven't downloaded the iOS 8 beta yet, but I love that idea of recording little video messages and, and sending them directly through iMessage. Have you, do, have you guys done any of that? No. I, we, me and some friends uh, at WWDC were, were sending messages, the audio messages, mm-hmm. which I wasn't on. Well, they were sending them to me. I wasn't on the beta yet, so I'm just getting through iMessage these little the files, these little audio files, and I'd hit play, and it was you know friends who didn't realize how exactly this thing worked, <laughs> who would say things like, "I'm not sure if this is working," and that's the entirety of the. It's like like your grandfather just got his first iPhone and doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Um, the squirrel just found the technology. That's great. Those are great moments. So I'm uh, when when you when you mentioned hiking and and doing um, or even <laughs> yeah. just the idea of. Just the idea of taking a picture, a group shot or something. Um, I, like, have you guys heard of this sort of fairly recent um, trend in new in new tech companies? I, I, I'm sort of a drone enthusiast, a consumer drone enthusiast, and most of the consumer drones have a camera attached at this point. Mm-hmm. But you still, yeah, you did a you did a video with the 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 drone the drone selfie. Yeah, like a drone selfie, where where which is kind of cool. I just copied what somebody else had done, but uh, what yeah. Amit Gupta had uh, done. But um, where you start close to yourself and then you fly it quickly away from yourself, and it looks really neat. But um, sweet. <laughs> but. Uh, the, there's like a whole new wave of of startups that are trying to make drones with camera attachments that you can essentially just throw up into the air and they will frame you up and take a picture of yourself and then sure. re, and then return yeah. to you so you're not actually you're not sitting there with a the remote control like like we have to do now it's actually like fully autonomous that you just throw it into the air like it's a um, an infinitely almost infinitely big um tripod it stabilizes and positions itself. It turn it um, it frames you up. It snaps a picture and then it returns home. And there are at least like five companies trying to tackle that right now. It's kind of cool. Yeah. That's- what is the what is the upside? Like as human beings, psychologically, what what do we get from that? Um, we get to see ourselves from a new perspective. That's one thing. Uh, I and think still that the have novel, taken the photo yourself. Yeah, yeah. The, um, I think that the, they're, they're, they're probably the novelty of it will wear off. The visual uniqueness of it will wear, wear off. But um, yeah. I don't know. It's just kind of cool that you can do it. And it. Oh, I, it, and I'm not. I don't mean to sound. No, I know you're not being a luddite or anything. You're, you're, you're on board, just as anybody, anybody would be. But I think it's more about 
don't know. It feels like it's it's the first it's the first indicator of of more of that similar kind of stuff to come. Um, you know, just more autonomous behaviors in these kind of things. We have to, we we always have to get indoctrinated to a new <laughs> uh, a new like you know sh- a new grand shift in technology, like something sure. as big as autonomous behavior in 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 robots. We get, we have to get indoctrinated with like a certain in a certain order. And if the first step to us becoming accustomed to have having autonomous flying things around us is that we throw them into the air to take stupid snapshots of ourselves, then so be it. That's that's exactly it's an easing into a bigger picture, basically. Right. Exactly. Not no pun intended there, but Plus, also getting to see ourselves from a different perspective is good for us because it's really easy for humans to to get used to seeing the the world around us in a very specific way. Like the the old thing of when you're in Europe, remember to look up. <laughs> like that that like you're in a different place. Look at the buildings. Look at look at how different everything is because it's so easy to you're always looking at the sidewalk or looking in front of you. Don't they say in New York, remember not to look up? <laughs> Nobody gave me that advice. Yeah, that when well, when anyone when when I was a kid and New York was probably a much more dangerous place. Uh, they told you if you go to New York, don't look up because people will know you're a tourist and they'll steal your money. Now every third person in the city is a tourist, so it's yeah. fine. But the the idea that uh, so all these things kind of connect together. The way we see ourselves, uh, not just. Like in terms of our own photographs or the images that we can send across the world to our loved ones, but also the the stories we tell and the ways we can let other people tell their stories. Uh, maybe that's and, and I'm sort of being a hand ringy ph- uh, philosopher about this right now, but it, it, maybe that is the the other side of the coin to things like yo, <laughs> where we're gonna have to deal with stupid bullshit like that. <laughs> on our way to becoming better human beings through technology. Yeah. It's a great way of looking at it. There's, it's just cruft. It's, um, but it's all, it's, it's all useful. It's all, you, you can't really dismiss any of it because it's all just part of the process. I, as much as I would dismiss something like, yo, and find very little utility uh, in my own life, I guess I get why it exists. And I guess why I get, it's almost like an art project, right? It's almost like so, yep. it's so, something so simple. I bet there's an even simpler version of Yo. I don't know what it is. Why? <laughs> uh, do you remember in the well in the eighties? It used to be a big thing for. Um, on Toyota pickup trucks, people would scratch out all the letters except you. Oh, know. yeah. Uh, totally. Yeah. Or toy. Or, yeah. yeah. And but then usually I, yo because it was right in the middle. Right. It's right in the middle. It's dead centered. It's the, the middle two of the six-letter word. And um, the, the oh, gosh, if I can hardly recommend this movie Boyhood, the, the Linklater movie, um, do you guys know about oh, it? Oh, I do know about this movie. Yeah. I've not it seen it. It looks no. awesome. Yeah. You mentioned the Scanner Darkly earlier. The, uh he is just an incredible, you know, gift to filmmaking. And uh, last weekend, my my producer here is is on like the board at at one of the local film art film houses, basically, and invited me for the like the Q and A the with the with the director and cast. And oh, it was wow. it was uh, it was a real experience. And so I Seriously. so what the what what the deal is is. Um, Boyhood is this film where they they've been shooting it for the last twelve years, and every year since two thousand two, they've been shooting fifteen minutes of, of of the film. Oh, I've always wanted to do a thing like this. Well, you totally shouldn't because it's already done. Yeah, miss the boat, dude. Yeah, um, but so uh, you know the same director as the before sunrise, before sunset, um, before midnight. That yeah. guy, yeah, Richard Linklater. Rick, yeah. Richard Linklater. He um, he made this story, and it's called Boyhood because it's uh, all about a boy, and you follow this boy from age uh, six to eighteen, um, and it's incredible, and it's told in his very uh, signature style, 
of like just moments, just like not necessarily disconnected. I mean, there's a thread throughout the whole story, but um, it's sort of in the way that, uh, what, do you, what do you call it? Terrence Malick tells a story. Uh, yeah, just I... really beautifying the mundane. And um, the kid the kid has a, drives a pickup truck with yo on it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yo. The I, the idea I had earlier, uh, I forget when we were talking about the uh, the old people in the podcast thing. The idea I had was I would love to make a video, I guess, podcast of me. Like I'd record me asking all of the questions now, and then in five years record all of my answers and then put it together, or like you know a year from now or two years or whatever it is. But like space it out over time, like me from the present interviewing me from the future. No, I think some kid did that recently. So like some dude made that video where he, he interviewed himself 15 years in the future or in the past. I this is the problem with the internet. <laughs> yeah. Is that everything's been done? It's true. There's, there's like, just don't even bother having ideas. The app store. You just got to make it better. Yeah. Well, tell a different story. Right. Or just do nothing at all and call it. Yo, <laughs> <laughs> Or that. 